You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 211 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on April 14th. How you doing this week, Raj? I just finished watching the Family Feud version of the Avengers thing on Jimmy Kimmel. Have you seen that yet? I've seen people posting about it, but I haven't watched it. I just saw it today, so I pulled it up and I quite literally just finished watching it. It's it's cute. It's nothing, you know, amazing, but it was cute. It was funny. Yeah, fair enough. So did you cheat and watch the last episode of Daredevil last night? I didn't. I didn't. It was too late. It was getting too late, and by the time I would have finished, I would have just been shot for today. So I said, ah... I'll just wait. I hate doing that, though. I actually, it's funny because we 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 powered through in two or three nights, and I miscalculated the time because I figured, okay, we were, we're on episode ten, so if we start at like seven o'clock, we should be able to get through all of them before my wife and my son hit the sack. I didn't count it right. <laughs> Once again, meds, lack of sleep, you name it. So I didn't calculate it right. So then (laughs) it's partway through. I realized, damn it, we're not going to get to see the last one tonight. Son of a bitch. So, but we'll wait and we'll watch it tonight. Yeah, I started it up Saturday afternoon. And before I knew it, I had watched all 13 episodes in one sitting. I, it's like, we like to binge watch shows as well. I mean, that's what everybody does now too. Um, but with, with this one here, like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that it's binge watching just because mm-hmm. it's so well done going through the story with every, um, every episode. It feels more like a very extended movie or miniseries on TV kind of thing than it would a TV show. Cause you really don't want to stop at any point. It's that well done. Yeah, like I'm, that's one of the things that most impressed me about the series is each episode actually works very well as an individual episode. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there is an edited version of this showing up on ABC next year or something. But at the same time, it also works extremely well on those giant blocks, like especially when you get to those episodes where Matt Murdock doesn't even put on the costume for like three or four episodes in a row. And in in that big, you know, binge format, it's fine because it's a couple of hours. But I said, I'm still really impressed how well each individual episode worked because a lot of these made for Netflix series, while they're great, the individual episodes don't quite hold up on their own. Yeah, no, this this definitely does. Right from the first episode, there were so many things that we were impressed with. And we all like superhero TV shows in this house as well. So I was fairly certain we'd enjoy it. Even though I'm not a massive Daredevil fan, he's still a character that can be, as we've recently discussed, written very well. So find a good actor for it, not Ben Affleck, <laughs> you you might have a good show. <laughs> and there's enough things going on in the series that really keeps you sucked in even if you're not a superhero fan they distanced the ip from 
the rest of Marvel's IPs that it holds on its own. They're, I mean, they, they don't mention other masked heroes. They never mention anybody else. It's it's not the Daily Bugle. It's the Bulletin that, that Ben works at. Well, all kinds that of probably things. has to do with the fact that the, Marvel the didn't have the rights yeah, yeah. to the Bugle at the time. Yeah, no, I know. But what I'm saying is that it's presented in such a way that it's distanced from everything else having to do with Marvel. And part of me was like, eh, it would have been nice if there were where it was more integrated, but then as you're watching it, you really appreciate it in and of itself instead, the way that it's done, which winds up being far superior. Yeah, there's a few mentions at the beginning, you know, talk about rebuilding Hell's Kitchen yeah. after the attack on New York from the first Avengers movie. And, you know, a couple jokes here and there about, you know, not having an iron suit and whatnot. But yeah, overall, it stands on its own and it stands tall. I, I was expecting to like it. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Like you said, from the first episode, because we say this all the time when we're talking about comics. The first issue is hugely important to what you want to do for the rest of the run. And this first episode of the show was very strong on its own. And we get to the that ending montage. And I was like, okay, it's going to be just like every other show where they have this, you know, montage set to set to a song. But it was only in that first episode. And it was very effective. It was like watching the montage at the end of The Godfather in that first episode. I'm trying to remember which montage you're talking about. When he's like standing on the rooftop and he's listening to the city and oh, he's right, hearing right. all the crimes yes. going on. And that's when the little kid gets kidnapped. Yes. And that's when, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Kingpin's do boy. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his name right now. And I've lost it in my notes here. Wesley. Right. Like you see, you see him off doing stuff. It was just like, it, it set up basically everything we can expect for the rest of the season right there. And I was immediately hooked. How much were we spoiling here? Or actually, let's just say spoilers. Yeah. And it's, that way it's we can talk come about, up. Yeah. Just don't spoil anything for the final episode. That's all I ask because I haven't seen it. But other than that, yeah. What did you think? And this was the biggest thing for me. Actually, two things. One is a complaint, which I don't have a lot of. And the other one is a question. Okay. The, the complaint is... I really like the guy they cast for Daredevil. I like mm-hmm. him as an actor. He was believable. But in terms of casting, could they not have picked somebody that when they're in costume, all you see is their mouth? Could they not have picked somebody whose mouth was not, didn't have that distinctive little curve to it? Whenever he <laughs> smiles or talks, there's this weird crooked curve on the side of his mouth and you see it just as prominently when he's wearing the mask as when he's not. I I, I don't know about that. He made I, a great Matt Murdock. Like when he he's did. in lawyer mode, he was perfect. I, I, I think he got a little too Christian Bale with some of the daredevil stuff though. I think that there wasn't nearly enough lawyer moments actually. Yeah. There was a lot of drama and everything else, but very little lawyer moments, I felt, actually. That was a little disappointing. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was the casting because you're like, oh, my God. how They know this is Matt. They have to look at that little weird crooked lip of his. <laughs> the, the only casting I really wasn't crazy about was Foggy. He just felt a little like the guy still looks like a teenager. Like, I don't does. know. It just didn't quite work for me. He didn't work for me initially 
when I was watching like the first couple of episodes, I'm like, Ooh, that's going to be a mistake by now on the last episode. I'm fine with him. And I, and I was fine with him far sooner than that, I should say, but like it only took a few episodes. <laughs> Episode 10 pretty much sells everybody on Foggy. Yeah. Well, even before that, I was all right with him. I got, I it, I just had to get used to the character. And part of it too, is you have to remember that the character of Foggy in the comic book too is, you know, that lighthearted character. Mm-hmm. That's the foil to Daredevil's melodramatic emo moments. So once you get that and you understand that the character has to change with the times as well. I felt that guy fit. And when he does have those really dramatic moments when he figures out, when he finds Matt, then you're like, whoa, yeah, the dude's got acting chops too. The, to be honest with me, and I, and I still feel that way now on the, uh, on the last episode, I'm still not sure that the dude who played the Kingpin is the right one because like they really played with the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Like the this kingpin has got issues, lots of issues, and I don't know if they wrote it that way to make us care about him or to try to forgive some of what he's doing or why. I have no idea why they did it that way, and I don't know to be fair how much of that is accurate to what's in the comic book as well. The kingpin that I've read in every single story, I've never read this backstory of the him killing his old man. So I don't know if that's actual canon or if they made that up. Honestly, I don't know either. Like, I think they might've gone a little too far in trying to make the Kingpin sympathetic. Like, yeah, of course you need some human element to the character to keep it believable. But I I think they might've taken it a little too far. But it's not just sympathetic though, because they make him an emotional wreck. Like Mm -hmm. quite literally there are scenes where, I'm just waiting for him to crawl up into a ball in a corner and stops, starts sobbing hysterically. They just made him way, way, way too emotionally vulnerable as opposed to this stoic, mean character that we see in the comic books. And like early on when you see this, I was like, Ew, I don't know that that's going to work. And it just keeps going and there's there's episodes where i didn't time how much for each character how much screen time they were getting but it certainly felt like a few issues he was getting more than matt even oh absolutely and so you're going like well that just doesn't again it doesn't fit i i like what was going on with vanessa Mm-hmm. Lots. I liked what was going on with Wesley, which I've never seen a quote unquote Wesley in the comic books either. Probably exists. I don't recall. Wesley is one of the best villains in the Marvel. Yeah, he's freaking awesome. <laughs> like set up right now. I liked him a lot. It's too bad about uh, what happens to him, but mm-hmm. um, but uh, but anyways, no, it was and and again, like I said, I've got one episode left, and I'm still scratching my head, going, I see what they. Did, but even distancing myself, or I shouldn't say myself, distancing my opinions from what I was expecting based on comic book versus TV versions, even just looking at him as, you know, just made up for TV, I don't feel the character fits. He's far too vulnerable, far too emotional that you buy him leading this assault on Hell's Kitchen and on all of these gangs and, and everything else that he's done. 
I wouldn't go quite as far, but I mostly agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think for the character that they wanted out of Kingpin, like D'Onofrio was good casting, but like I said, I'm not entirely sure that that version of Kingpin was quite as on the mark as we wanted it to be. That's the best way of saying it. Actor was great. The role wasn't one that I I really liked. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the action? Oh, dude. The Everybody's been talking about that fight scene in the hallway. Yes. like <laughs> that. That's, that's all anybody's talking about. And justifiably so. Like, I watched that, and back when my knees worked... I was heavy, heavy, heavy into martial arts. Like, I mean, a lot. And I was there all the time working out a variety of different dojos over the years, everything. It's a passion of mine and something that I miss dearly. So, like, I I like fighting. I like that, that the fluidity of the motions. I like all of that thing. Thinking on your feet, using your feet, all manner of things. And so what you don't get in a lot of fight scenes, though is what's here that that manic push for survival that mm-hmm. that being tired that being knocked over that the 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 everything that you see there is you know i i don't want to say authentic because i mean there's bouncing around there that's ridiculous still that's choreographed but that sheer grittiness of it of him just having the crap kicked out of him and still getting up. The only thing that was a little, that wasn't as well done is that towards the, 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 the latter half of the fight when he's, when he's feeling it, he's tired. He's, it's getting harder and harder. As soon as somebody jumps him, it's like he gets all of his energy back, which I know they're going to attribute to adrenaline or whatever, mm-hmm. but adrenaline will only last you so long and then you're crashing regardless. And when he's showing that he's nearly had it and then all of a sudden, boom, he's back in and fighting just as well as before. That's when you're like, eh, that's off. But other than that, holy Christ, was that ever amazing. And the same goes for Every fight scene, every fight scene just blew my mind. I absolutely love them. Yeah, that's definitely the hallmark here of how realistic the fighting was. Like, yes, Matt Murdock, he's exceptionally skilled. He has certain advantages. But at the end of the day, he also doesn't have super strength, you know, or any of that. And they portray that like it's going to take a couple punches for him to take somebody out and especially when he's outnumbered, he's going to, to take his licks. And like, especially, of course, that hallway fight scene, which astonishingly was all done in a single shot. Mm-hmm. So they claim. <laughs> so they claim. I, I, there's a, definitely a couple points where there could have been edits, but if they want to say it was done in a single shot, I'll believe it was done in a single shot. But overall, there was very little editing in the fight scenes. Like they gave the scenes the time. There wasn't the quick cuts and the shaky camera work. They let the martial arts exist on the screen and it gave it so much more impact and effect. Like especially the Nobu fight in episode yeah. nine. Like I love, I was really hoping that they actually got the actual word ninja somewhere in this series. <laughs> That fight was insane. And what was the other one? Oh, no, I can't remember who was against. There was another one too that just, if it wasn't for the fact that I was so sucked into 
each episode. Maybe the, the stick fight? Uh, pa- no, no, it wasn't. If it wasn't for that, I would have actually paused it to rewind to watch them again because <laughs> they were that amazing. And what I also liked was, and this is another um, compliment to the the production of the show too, as expected, the sound editing in this mm-hmm. series is better than anything I've heard in a long time. And they make it a point of directing your attention to exactly what he's hearing as well. And it's, it's very, very well done. So when you're, when you're watching the fight scenes, you're also listening to the fight scenes, which is not something that you get very often because it's all just thrown into the mix. And, you know, as long as the sound editing is good, that's all that really matters. But here the sound editing has to be just as important, if not more so than the actual fighting. So when you're hearing all of the items, even something subtle like somebody picking something up, not just something falling or, or the swish of something going through the air, be it a knife or a blade or, or sorry, not a knife or a blade, but a knife or a, like a, a pipe or some damn thing. But the act of even just picking it up makes a sound and he clues in on all that so that he knows what he's up against. So it adds that whole new dimension to fighting, to fight scenes that we don't normally, or I should say that we normally take for granted. And because it's so well done here, you don't, you really clue in on it. And again, it's just when you tack on everything that else that was done so well with those fight scenes and you tack that on top, it's this whole other level of awesome <laughs> of integration that you're just sucked right into it. And on that note, did you hear or did you see the announcement that Netflix made about yes. Daredevil today? Yeah. How the they, they've added in audio narration so that it's essentially an audio drama so that those who are visually impaired can still enjoy the show. Major props to them. You can't say anything else. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's, and it's the perfect series and yeah. to do it with. And I hope it does well enough that they continue to do that for other shows. As they well. said they're going to do it for all their other shows. It's just Daredevil is going to be the first one. That's good job from everyone all around then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, on Twitter the other night, Malagash and I were having a discussion that we were both pretty sure Stick was going to end up being your favorite character. Actually, you know, what's funny is he was one of my least favorite characters. <laughs> Figured badass old guy. And I saw your tweets and I decided I'm not even going to dignify those with a response. You bastards. But uh, but no, actually, he was one of my least favorite characters because he was a stereotype. That's all he was. So True. you really didn't get much out of him. Whereas the other characters, yeah, sure, some of them are stereotypes of what you'd expect as well. But overall, the characters really stand well on their own as well you know so when you have him just being so blatant it's like yeah i really didn't dig him as well i like freaking old chinese lady oh madame gao she was freaking awesome when she tosses that punch and he sent flying <laughs> it was like i was waiting for that to happen because isn't she in the comics and she's the dragon aspect thing she i, I haven't quite I think she is who she, but she's obviously from one of the mystic cities from iron fist. And that's one thing I really liked about daredevil 
is that not only is it setting up its own stuff for a potential season two, which I didn't think was going to happen, but now that we've seen season one, a season two kind of has to happen, but it's also setting up stuff for future shows. Like Madame Gal was absolutely going to show up in Iron Fist. I, I, I think she's the one, uh, like the mother of the swans or whatever they're called. Yeah. I thought she was a dragon aspect or some damn thing. I thought we'd seen her in one comic turn into a dragon and kind of fly off. Would explain also the conspiracy speak every language kind of thing that she said too. Mm-hmm. Which must and come I, I also noticed that the, like the little imprint they were using on the heroine was the, the steel serpent symbol who's Iron Fist's you know, arch, en- arch nemesis. So a lot of good world building that went on here oh, too. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it stood on its own, but it also really created a great playground for the other series to, to exist in. Well, this is like um, the, the Agent Carter stuff, which mm-hmm. I mean, I've been reading more people clamoring for a season two of that, and rightly so. So am I. I want to see a second season of that. And I'm hoping that the – because all I've been reading is is Daredevil on social media lately ever since this came out. (laughs) It's a hot new thing. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, but justifiably. If it was crap, then we would not be still hearing people talking about it kind of thing. So it proves that it's it's good. People are respecting it. And I'm hoping that means that they are going to start, if they haven't already, talking about second season. The problem is, is how Netflix is presenting us with these seasons all at once. Because we are now a society that binge watches shows so by the time they finish ironing out <laughs> contracts <laughs> or whatever seat for season two and then start working on it let alone when it's going to be released because they're going to release yet another entire season we're talking a bloody long time down the road before we will see another season so i really despite the fact that i really enjoy binge watching I kind of wish they would pace it out more, though, so that it would last until the next season starts up, if it if it does. Yeah, like, I, I have no idea what the plans are, because, it's, like I said, it's kind of obvious that there has to be a second season of Daredevil. There's a lot of plot threads that they can't easily pick up later on down the line in the other series or in the Defenders crossover. But I, I don't know. Like, are we going to have to wait a couple years until after all the other series and the crossover are done before we get a second season of daredevil or are they going to start producing two separate series at a time? I, I don't know. And see with me when I was watching and, and for anybody who's kind of fast forwarded thinking that we were done this discussion, we're still not done with spoilers <laughs> either. Okay. So fast forward yet some more. The fact that they killed off Ben to me kind of led me to believe that they really don't know whether or not, they're going to pay, pick up a second season mm-hmm. because otherwise you would leave him around because he's an important character in the Marvel canon. So killing him off in the first season, that's pretty huge. Did so you see a body? Yes, he stopped shaking and he was dead on the ground. Hey, you can come back from that. No, no. And it's if they book. do, you can no, come back from no, that. No, he was dead. Now that said as well... <laughs> I don't think they could have picked a better actor for Ben. He was fabulous. Oh, my God. Initially, when he was talking, when he was first first introduced, and he's talking to someone, and I turn to my wife and I say, did they call him Ben? 
because I didn't yeah, I was hear like, Who's properly. The guy? <laughs> and then the, and then I heard him say Ben again, and I said, "Holy crap, that's Ben Urich! Way to go, guys!" And then you you watch him, and he again he was the perfect Ben Urich in every scene that he was in. He was phenomenal, and the scenes where he's talking with with Daredevil. I was like, oh, my God, I'm looking forward to the scenes where he says, I know who you are. And yeah, you know like you, why you I know? Tell. Because of that lip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could tell just in, like, the body language and, you know, the facial uh, motions. Like, he was working it out. Like, there was yeah. a lot of unspoken dialogue between the two of them. Well, the, he makes that crack about nobody would question a blind man at one point. And you see Daredevil kind of jerk his head a little bit and it was like at that moment you're going like oh yeah he knows <laughs> he knows already <laughs> and you know he knows so yeah i i can't wait to watch like we we're recording our for the floor tonight and as soon as we're done i'm in the other room watching and, and i can't wait to see that last episode yeah like the only thing i'll say about the last episode I, oh, mm-hmm. uh, no, not crazy about the costume oh once yeah, he well, finally puts kind on the red, it red on. costume, I'm not crazy about it. Yeah. Man. But what you going to do? I Frankly, I've never been crazy about the Daredevil costume to begin with. This is worse than the comic costume. Yeah, so red leather, <laughs> mm, not so, so cool, no. All right, so we spent a half hour talking about Daredevil. You want to talk about Ultron or come back to that next week? Ugh, I don't care. This was I think stupid. we'll save it for next week. All right. I already have all the notes prepped. (laughs) Alrighty then. Hey, it worked out. Be quiet. As for what else we've been reading, or what we have been reading, reading. since we haven't read it and talked about anything else, I read the last issue of Deadpool. Oh, right. They followed through on their promise and killed Deadpool. Not in the way I was expecting. And on one hand, I was like, okay, you know, it was kind of a, like a metaphoric killing of, you know, Wade retiring and just wanting to spend time with his family, this and that. And then the Earth's crashed together and everybody's killed. So it was kind of like a, a Deadpoolized version of the Secret Wars ending, which if it had happened in any other comic, I would have groaned, which uh, did happen in a comic I'm sure you'll be talking about. And I groaned. But just the fact of the way they've set up Deadpool, it, it was fun. Like... I enjoyed this run on the on the series more than any other Deadpool run in recent memory. So uh, I'm happy with what they did with the character. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> the latest issue of Darth Vader. Yes. How long until they just retitle this BT and Triple O? I love that Triple O. He's freaking awesome. <laughs> they are by far the standout characters of this series. <laughs> When she's standing up to him and saying, okay, I'm ready to die. <laughs> just do it. I'm going, you just kick ass, girl. <laughs> you are freaking awesome. See, and, and Gillen has done some great work there. There's really only so much you can do with Darth Vader because he already has a character arc that you have to fit within. And he's giving him this great supporting cast yeah. that – can work off of him with so Vader himself doesn't have to change and evolve as a character. He can just kind of exist as the motivating force behind the story and let all of the interesting development happen in the supporting cast. And it's working really well. Well, look at the team that's built though. 
it's a R2 and C3PO clones, except the dirt versions of them. And then the girl was, she could just as easily be a evil kind. Well, not Leia because she's not quite that strong, but you know, something like that. So you've got this team that's very similar to the quote unquote light side team. So it, 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 it works. We already know that formula is going to work. And because of the similarities, the juxtaposition between the, the, the good ones and these bad ones, it makes it all the more funny when you're reading the scenes, especially when Triple O is like doing the torture scenes and you're going, oh my God, this, <laughs> this probably shouldn't be as funny as it actually is. <laughs> especially when he's going back to him and he's saying good news, bad news. Yes. <laughs> okay. Actually, good news, good news. <laughs> It was priceless. Yeah, it's, it. I, I I couldn't have expected a Darth Vader comic to be that enjoyable. Yeah. And Rat Queens. Yes. What a great issue. Like I talked about with issue nine, it kind of, at least for me, took a while to find its feet after the long hiatus. But issue ten just hit the ground running, and great character development all around. Just. The artwork is really starting to work now with with Sejic uh, on board. I I loved this issue. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, all of it, and I really dug the art too. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was really, really, really good. <laughs> and is it? This is going to sound really, really weird. Oh, possibly. Please continue. But Hannah looks better with the horns than with the hair wrapped. <laughs> I'm looking at that picture and saying, is it wrong that I think she looks that much better with horns than <laughs> without? What is that saying about me? I don't, I probably don't want to know. Especially since the only time you saw her with horns, she wasn't wearing clothes. Well, she's kind of covering up the bits with her hair. <laughs> the focus is not on those. The focus is on the horns. Just saying. It's, it I'm might. just pointing it out. But yeah, <laughs> I looked at that and I was going like, yeah, she looks better with horns. Leave mode. <laughs> That, that that was such a great moment too because oh yeah I, I did not dream that that was happening that was such a shocking moment and it played out perfectly the entire issue was really really quite good especially and D at the end like, yes oh man I I was wondering where they were going to go with uh, the Naragoth stuff and that didn't disappoint no. at all no none of it did the actually I won't say that and disappoint is the wrong term but. I wish the issue would have been longer because there's so much going on in this issue. So there is much no going on. And yeah, that's a big one. Let's be very honest <laughs> there. But I thought that we could have used a longer issue, maybe even split it across two issues, but definitely longer than this because it kind of felt rushed at points. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Yeah. And I know you have a lot to complain about. So go ahead, Roger. Oh, we starting with Spider-Woman already? <laughs> Sure. Because, <laughs> yeah. So in one Oof. page, Hopeless manages to toss in racial stereotypes of a black man holding up a fried chicken place and sitting down to eat a stolen bucket of fried chicken, make misogynistic comments about Jess's rack, and then, and, and, and he's just the dumbest character 
I've seen in recent years. <laughs> and I was asking you, I don't know if you looked it up, but I didn't. I didn't bother. I don't, well, really don't care. No, I, I didn't. I didn't care enough. I mean, from the rest of the issue, like kind of the point was she was tracking down these ridiculously terrible villains. But in context with everything else, it doesn't help. It was – I stopped reading at that page because it was like a triple header. You're going, are you – are you serious? And not just that. Here's here's a guy that is a a villain ha, has held up the the people are still tied up and is an insulting jackass, but she's gonna help him find what is it? His wife, girlfriend? What is yeah, it? Wife. Wife. She's trying to be all nice and thought to him. He's he he just tied people up in the kitchen. He's holding them up. He's a criminal. Oh, but I'll help him. He's misunderstood. It was stupid. It was absolute stupidity. I really, I, 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 again, I don't know what happens to the rest. Screw it. I am not reading and this it kind of horrible, horrible writing. And when, again, when you're looking at it, you're, it's like racism, the, 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 the misogyny, and just plain stupid. And I'm like, what year is this? Hopeless? Seriously. Like, what year is it that you think you can write this kind of crap? Like I was so disgusted and, and I am, I'm done reading this until hopeless is off the job, which is too bad because I've been wanting a good spider woman comic book to read. And this ain't it. It hasn't been since the start. And this is sign enough that it's not going to be for some time either, at least until they get somebody else writing this. Yeah. Sadly, we're both hitting the eject button on this one. Yeah. I, it was horrible. Did you read uh, Spider-Man 2099? Mm-hmm. So that's, eh, it was okay. It was nothing, I don't know. I liked it. The, you know, the, the, the time travel foolishness and his conversation with Peter. Yeah. I, you know, that was fun. I wasn't that crazy about it, actually. Um, Fine. Yeah, I didn't say it was terrible. I'm just saying I wasn't that crazy about it. The ultimate Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, great scene with Miles. Great scenes with Miles kicking ass and taking names there although you could really tell it was rushed like absolutely there's there's an issue missing in the middle oh yeah yeah insanely rushed and then when you get to the big planet at the end you're like oh come on what's worse is that i've been reading i figured i'll read some of this convergence stuff as well oh boy so and i mean convergence secret wars are the same thing Pretty much. The fact that this is happening, and they've done this in the past with other things that were very similar, and there's a certain amount of, well, there's only so many types of stories you can write, so of course there's going to be some similarities. Fine, I can deal with that. But when you're looking at massive story arcs that are shaking up all of their series, well, that's no longer a coincidence when it's happening to both of them at the same time. This is, if you don't have much use for it on either side, you're not going to like either one of them. And the convergence stuff is horrible. The convergence stuff is... I didn't even bother. Oh, man. I read issue zero and issue one, as well as a few of the actual IPs. I read the Flash and the Justice League ones. And, like, convergence zero with Spider-Man in wherever the hell he is they're talking to Brainiac and stuff it's like oh my god not only A confusing B poorly written what's that? I think you mean Superman who did I say? Spider-Man I meant Superman that's a completely different crossover yeah 
maybe it would have been funnier with Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, it's like really stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. And, and again, it's, it's my opinion that is poorly written. I, I want to say it's just poorly written, but you know, it's an opinion, but it's just poorly written. It's just like you're reading this going, oh my God, you want to, yes, appeal to people who are reading the event so that they get all of the references and all that, but you do want to still appeal to fresh readers that's what you're trying to bring in and when someone like me who reads lots of comic books and i do actually still read a lot of dc stuff not as much as i used to but i still do read Mm -hmm. quite a bit for me to be reading this going what the hell is going on here that's kind of a little telling and and it's bad and then when you get to the actual i think it's an issue one although it's repeated in every single other one as well, where they're talking about the the Brainiac dude who's like saying, and now you're all going to fight each other for my amusement and whoever wins will be the one reality and blah, 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 crap. And it's like, oh, God, seriously? We're talking like the original Secret Wars yes. there, Beyonder saying, and you're all going to fight each other, except now it's going to be all the cities fighting each other. And it was like, oh, my God. Stupid, lame-ass crap that, you know, I can forgive this kind of stuff from the 80s, kind of when I was reading comic books back then with the Beyonder doing Secret Wars. I was like, wow, never saw this. This is kind of awesome. Nowadays, it's like, no, no, lame, stupid, stupid. It's so funny. Like, I've been praising all of the buildup to Secret Wars because I've legitimately been really into it and it's been pretty good from my point of view. And there are some of the Secret Wars tie-ins that I'm interested in. I still don't know how I feel about the actual Secret Wars thing itself. It's still, you know, like you said, it's outdated. It's, it's, It's outdated plus it's a very cheap and lazy way for the writers and editors to retcon everything mm-hmm. and i can't respect that i can't because it's lazy writing and so i i don't i don't like that at all and like the stuff with the the justice league stuff was a uh, convergence issue was bad oh my god and it's got all these people from different times and and a lot of tna with the costumes for the the female characters and then the Aquaman being this psychotic and stuff like that. And then the Speed Force one, well, I mean, that one was less bad, but it was still bad. And it really, I mean, nothing surprising here at all in how it was done. It was just beginning to end cheesy. And this idea again of, you know, you're going to fight for my pleasure just as, I... I, I really, really, and, and there might be a lot of people very excited for this. And for them, more power to you. If you're actually excited for this, great. I'm, and there's no sarcasm there. I'm glad you are. If you're buying comics, perfect. That's great. But for me personally, having seen this done better a long time ago, and I say better, better at the time, and not needing to see it again from both the big guys, um, I, this is... I, I hate it on both ends, both sides. Hate it, hate it. It's stupid. It's a ridiculous concept. So, did you read anything good this week? I'm not done with bad yet. <laughs> Next part of the the magic mirror with Cyclops. Uh, yeah. 
Oh my God. I'm sorry, Layman. I love some of the stuff that you write, but I am not digging what he's doing with Cyclops. And some of it is he's, his hands are tied and there's only so much that he can do because it's an event, certainly. But I didn't like the way the issue worked either. I, the, the, the idea always of these presenting what somebody's imagining as reality and then the old let's pull the rug out from under their feet and show that it was all just a dream or all just imagine. I hate it when they do that. And so, of course, you have that right from the get-go here. The whole thing with the freaking him using his visor for the fingerprint, you're going, whoa, 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 how does that even make sense? The fingerprint is on the other side of the the bar where he's looking through. What does he do? How, what the hell is going on there? I don't even know that's, how that makes that's sense. That's like some old 60s, like even before that, of just, just make up what the powers can do as you go along. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrible. And then the... Um, the, the the whole again going into the black mirror and and his father's talking to him through his brain and all that and you're going like, oh, come on I here's the thing like if as much as the, the the black vortex has been a disaster at least some of like the super powered up character designs have been interesting who the hell designed that cyclops yeah holy I, was... crap I... I'm assuming you mean bad because that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Although I liked Elf Bob, Bobby. <laughs> for <laughs> for some weird. reason, he's not like this freaking old man Gandalf like we saw before. Now he's like an elf. <laughs> Somebody really wants Bobby in like Tolkien-esque based fantasies. <laughs> but yeah, the, the costume was horrible for that. No, I agree. I agree. And Groot is basically the same thing except it's just bigger and lava kind of thing. I, I just like Bobby as an elf. Yeah, it was it was horrible. I really didn't like it at all. Did you read the new saga? I did. Say what you're gonna say. Mm, wasn't impressed. I at all. At all. Trying to make this whole introspective moment that brings him to some sort of clarity and it's all through some bad trip. Eh, whatever. Eh, I, I didn't see it. I didn't really care all that much. So I really, although that little Waller's dude in the, in the onesie, I like him. Goose is the best. I like him a lot. But other than that, it was like, meh, I, not much use for it at all. Hmm. I didn't like it. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, not surprising. I wasn't crazy about it. Um, oh, Autumn Lands. Did you read the mm-hmm. last one? That Yeah, it came out a couple weeks ago, didn't it? Yeah, I read it. Yeah. I Well, I only just read it. No, Actually, I, I'm, I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. Um, once again, freaking astounding artwork throughout. Just so much fun to look at and to, you know see all the little things that are mm-hmm. that that the artist took the time to 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 do it's it's really really quite good i liked it the issue i thought actually this issue was better than the last one i i really did we're really starting to see like the humans not not drive and what he's going to do because it's that's still kind of up in the air you're still not mm-hmm. sure where where he's going to land on but 
the fact that even though he's this combat vet kind of thing and not backing down, but choosing his fights and, and is a lot craftier than just go in and fight and stuff. So I'm, it's got me excited to, to see where, what he's planning on doing with it kind of thing. Yeah, it was strong. Yeah. And lastly, oh, actually I got caught up on Gotham Academy. I'd fallen behind. So I got caught up. Plus I read the end game one. Um, did you read the end game one? No. Okay, it's actually quite good. It's 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 not like it's what you would expect from a Gotham Academy Endgame issue, but it's not what you would expect from an event issue kind of thing. Because I, I looked at some of the other Endgame tie-ins and I was not impressed. So I can tell I you, I figured I would skip Gotham Academy because I didn't want to be disappointed. By no, and that's the thing. I can tell you up front. I know you'll like this. Okay. Because it's Gotham Academy. And that's what I loved about it. It just, it's happening. This is happening during Endgame, but it's very, very much Gotham Academy, which again, made it awesome. The only thing I wasn't crazy about is it's a different artist. So I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. but, uh, cause I love the artist who does the issue regularly. Who was that again? God, I love the artwork. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I got caught up on, on all of them. I'm not sure that I'm happy about Damien coming in. Yeah. Because I was really liking that this yeah. is a story about these characters in Gotham. And yeah, Batman or Bruce shows up periodically, but it's not infiltrating the comic. It's still very much a comic about these other characters. And because, I mean, I would much rather see a lot more of Maps than Damien. <laughs> Maps is the best character of the year so far. I know you like her so much. <laughs> Maps or Genki, though? Uh, don't make me choose. I'm making you choose right now on the spot. Maps. You're wrong. <laughs> I say that with complete and utter certainty. You're wrong. <laughs> Although some of the lines that Maps puts out, uh, looting the hell out of that dungeon. (laughs) But you rock, girl. I love you. Uh, Last one I was going to do is... Oh, Savior. We were just talking about it. That's the Todd McFarlane one. Oh, yeah. I didn't look at that one. godlike creature kind of thing. Okay, first of all, let me find who did the art on this. Brian Hulgan? Okay. I think. Let me, let me, let me. Cover and story are Clayton Crane. Oh, okay. Man, the art is amazing in this. Like, really, really quite good. I like the panel layouts, everything like that. Crane Uh, turns out great work if he has the right anchor and colorist. Well, that's this. Because the colors are fantastic as well. Although I think he did the coloring. Well, that explains it. Yeah. Um, Because I thought it said art by. Yeah. Yeah. He did all of the art. And I mean, it's the art is really, really strong, like really strong. I wish the story was as strong. <laughs> the story has some elements that are interesting. So it's, it's, the story reads like it was thought up of by Todd McFarlane. The problem is, is that the, um, we know the concept of what this is going to be, but that's not, that hasn't yet been all introduced. Mm-hmm. So I'm going by what I know because it's not all said here. And so you have some moments where you're going, ah, oh, it's interesting. But part of me, like I was thinking about this after I read it, 
And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to describe this when I talk about this? Am I going to say, you know, I, I wasn't crazy about it because nothing happens. Well, a lot happens. I mean, that freaking plane crashes down on the street. You can't say nothing happens if a plane crashes on the street. And then it's not that you can say, well, nothing of importance happens. Let's go back to the plane <laughs> crashing on the street. But that's not the writing. I mean, yeah, McFarlane wrote out, okay, do this, this, and this, and what the panels are. The, the plane crashing on the street is exceptional because of the artwork that is so brilliantly done that you are sucked right in. That's not the writing that did that. That is the art entirely. Mm -hmm. Because what goes on writing-wise at the time really isn't that big of a deal. So I don't know how to feel about this. I it, It's such a gorgeous freaking comic to look at. Almost made for tablets. Like there's this plane crash, which occurs over several panels or not panels, I should say, but pages. And you get some like beautiful two panel spread. So it fills up the tablet entirely. Like when you see the plane crashing down, it's bigger than life on, it fills everything. And then it's done in such a way that, and he does this a lot for a lot of pages where there's like one massive background panel. That's almost like a wallpaper with panels with images overlaid on top. And so like when you're seeing that plane crash, you're seeing the plane crashing, squashing cars and everything with other panels of the action also overlaid on top. So the panel layout and, and art is spectacular, unbelievably cool and draws you in. I'm just really hoping that the story is going to pick up. Because again, I I know what this is, and I'm still not I'm still not sold on it. Hmm. So, and I guess that'll be it. All right then. As for this week's new releases from Marvel, we're continuing the Magic Mirror and Legendary Star Lord number eleven. We also have Magneto number seventeen, Ms. Marvel number fourteen, Nova number twenty nine. He has escaped from the Magic Mirror and is now back to his own stuff. Thor number seven and Uncanny X Men number thirty three. From DC, it's all Convergence, uh, with Convergence Issue 2, as well as the Convergence tie-ins for Aquaman, Batman, Shadow of the Bat, Catwoman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Parallax, Justice League International, Suicide Squad, Superboy, Supergirl Matrix, and Superman the Man of Steel, uh, number one for all of those. And it's a pretty quiet week outside of that, which is great because the best comic ever written comes out this week. From Dark Horse. Archie versus Predator number one. <laughs> Aside from that, we're just looking from Valiant. We have Bloodshot Reborn number one and Unity number 17. But I reiterate, Archie versus Predator. I assume we're talking about this next week. <laughs> it's probably going to come up. <laughs> okay. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com. If you enjoyed our conversation about Daredevil, we do stuff like that all the time over on Popcorn Ronin, which is our movie and TV podcast, which can, of course, be found at popcornronin.com. And until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments.
If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.